Scaling brands need influencer content, but the best brands have influencer communities, which provide a constant stream of high-converting social content to test in your ads week in and week out. Access Aspire IQ's more than 6 million creators and influencers and start building your brand's influencer community today. Find out why Forrester recognized Aspire IQ as a leader in influencer marketing solutions. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC Podcast. Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast, the show where we interview growth-focused team leaders at D2C brands that we love in order to uncover the secrets of their scale. Today, we are thrilled to have fellow West Coaster, Bunny Katrora, co-founder of Bloom, which is a women's skincare and self-care company, eliminating the shame and embarrassment that stems from puberty and growing up. Welcome to the podcast, Bunny. Can we start with your brand's origin story? It's such a good looking brand. Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really excited to be chatting with you today. Um, the brand's origin story. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, it really came from a mix of like what Taryn and I knew that we lacked growing up in brands and then a little bit of our, I think our own personal taste and then a lot of our community's feedback. So when we were actually going through even like the design and the look of the brand, we did work with um, the community that we had at the time, which is from a slightly different business that we were running that then evolved into the current business. But we had this really core group of amazing customers that helped us um, really define what the Bloom brand values would be. And then additionally, what Bloom would look like and why it would exist. And so we had like, you know, some different versions and mood boards of the company that we were playing around with. And we shared that out to our audience to find out what they liked and didn't like and, and what that meant. And then always tying it back to really what the why is. So the brand wouldn't exist today without um, Taryn and I's own personal whys. And um, I'll speak to both of them a little bit, but essentially when we first started the very first iteration of a company, um, Taryn was studying law um, in the UK and, and learning a lot about how um, women in developing countries work missing school due to their menstrual cycles um, and lack of uh, access to safe facilities and hygiene products. And then similarly, at the same time, I was here in um, BC with my own period problems and really navigating um, a diagnosis of PCOS, which is something that almost one in five women experience. Um, and looking at the kind of lack of education and information that was just around periods at all during this time. Um, and then being from a South Asian background, Chang and I have always been very, very um, hyper aware of how lucky we are that our parents were able to immigrate to Canada when they did um, and give us a life here because it's very possible that we could have grown up in a situation where we also wouldn't have had access to safe or, or hygiene products in general. And so we launched Bloom um, kind of with a mix of, of all those things to make the experience of puberty and growing up and experiencing our periods better. Um, and through that, we surveyed our audience and 60% uh, of girls and women let us know that they felt their self-esteem plummet as they went through puberty. So that's really been our kind of um, North Star and our guiding mission and the stat that we're working really hard to change through our safe and effective products that make you feel good, as well as education, sex ed content and self-care. Um, resources to help people just become the better version of themselves. Love it. Can we talk a little bit about the state of sex ed? I know you actually have a, a content play 
um, where, where you're really focused in on that. And, you know, having been through, you know, I, I'm a man, but having been through, um, you know, issues with PCOS with, with my partner and, and with, with other issues around women's health, I really can resonate with the fact that, that it's really lacking that, you know, whether, whether it's the medical system or whether it's, you know, the way brands speak to these issues, can, can you speak a little bit to like how you see the state of sex ed right now? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, I think the state of sex ed is so different because both Canada and the US don't have federal mandates. And so each province in each state does treat sex ed differently. So looking at Canada, for example, Alberta has um, an abstinence only sex ed program, but they also have like the highest amount of STDs in the entire country. Um, there's only, yeah, not a good look at all. Um, there's only a handful of states that actually require mandated sex ed and other states choose not to teach it at all. Um, or there's um, really fragmented curriculums and everybody's kind of teaching it in their own way. And even here in Canada, speaking to teachers and resources and sex ed, sex educators um, that we've had the honor of, of chatting with over the last few years, we really got to the conclusion that it's such a fragmented experience and often an afterthought where it's pawned off to somebody who you know, maybe doesn't have the resources to teach it. Um, I gym know my teacher. Well, Mine yeah. had us watch the movie Rudy. That's literally what he did for his sex ed. He's like, watch Rudy. Everything you need to know is in this. And don't ask me any questions about it. And we're not conversating about it. Exactly. Yeah. And so when we, and, and growing up, like we had the, the worst experience as well. And often I think parents think that schools are going to teach you. Schools think that parents are going to teach you. Other people learn from older siblings um, or older cousins or older friends. And everybody's experience tends to be different, yet we all grow up with one, I think a lack of knowledge and understanding, and then two, a lot of shame and stigma around some of these topics where we don't know where to get the right resources from, whether it be, you know, how to ask your gynecologist certain questions that you have, or how to know, you know, you're, something's feeling off and you don't know where to go to, or around safety, or all of these things that I think we all experience, both as men and women, and then again in relationships. And so we really saw that a lot of those um, lack of opportunities to learn as we were growing up tended to be things that we carried with us as adult women. Um, and now, you know, now that we're a little bit older, it's easier to feel more confident about these things. But really when you need to know them is when you're a teenager and you're growing up and really learning to understand your body. And so we worked with um, a sex educator here in BC named Dee, who's incredible. And we put together a fully free um, sex ed curriculum for teachers to download. Um, and there it's in PowerPoint format. And so they can um, use that to teach their students um, in a safe and effective way. And then we also created um, conversation cards, which are essentially like um, essentially topics that you can pick out and choose and you can have conversations around There's questions and answers, everything from not only, you know, your body and the science behind your body, but also um, how things make you feel um, and around like wellness and mental health that comes along with some of these topics that often aren't discussed. Amazing. So I know you, you, the business is in a scaling position right now. I want to go back just a little bit more to that zero to one period uh, where you're gathering feedback. You're, did, you, did you launch with one product or did you launch with a suite of products? So when we launched Bloom, we launched with four products. Which were they? So we had our Meltdown Acne Oil, which is still our bestseller today. Um, Hugney Deodorant, which um, is an all-natural deodorant. And then a Super Gentle Cream Cleanser and Cloud9, which is our Cramp Oil. Um, and then we also did have pads and tampons at that time as well. Amazing. So you launched with these products, uh, you got some initial sales, and then you used that audience of your initial sort of uh, early adopters uh, in order to refine the brand further? Or did that all happen even before you launched these products? 
So before we launched these four products as Bloom, we were running um, a third party subscription box. So in that we had our organic pads and tampons and the mission of that company was really um, to just change the way we experience our periods every month. So periods have often been something that we like have to deal with and something that is almost like a nuisance. And so we really wanted to just flip that and say, how can we make this a moment of self-care for our bodies? So when we were running that version of the company, it was our pads and tampons plus third-party products from other companies um, that were all clean and effective. And so we took that community and helped, had them help us evolve the company into Bloom today with the four products that I just mentioned. Very cool. That's a really, that's a really understated value bomb here early on in the podcast. Like actually knowing the space that you want to be in, knowing you want to get to creating your own products, but starting with, with products that are available out there so you can really understand what you want to build. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you put it like that, it, it sounds very intentional. Um, I think for us at the time, it definitely wasn't that well thought out. We really just saw, you know, the main issue on hand, which is that we, we knew that as women um, and talking to our friends that we were sick of having our periods be such an afterthought. And there's so much science and conversation that's been happening now around how our bodies actually change throughout our cycles and how that actually affects like our moods, our decision-making abilities, our workout abilities, you know, when you should have large meetings at work and when you shouldn't, when you should have difficult conversations with your partner and when you shouldn't. And all those things are actually tied in so closely to our cycle. Yet um, we live in a world where that's often not remembered or prioritized and so initially it was really just like oh, I get my period every month and I feel really crappy and I just thought like one thing to make me feel a little bit better but in doing that we had so much feedback from parents around how they felt so grateful to have this box to give to their daughter each month when she was struggling with her first few periods um, feeling really self-conscious about her body and also just having an opportunity to have a conversation with her about her body and about periods in a way that they didn't feel comfortable doing before because it was like, hey mom, I need tampons. And then it was like, you run to the store and then it's just like, here you go. Like it was a whole silent situation. And so we really wanted to celebrate that. But to your point, um, through that experience, we were able to intentionally turn it into Bloom Today, which um, we're really, really grateful for. Amazing. And so, and the customer feedback, did that all happen over email, basically from those initial customers? Uh, email, phone, we met some of them in real life. Um, pretty much wherever we could get feedback from, we did. Uh, a lot of those customers were, like, we knew them on a first name basis. We knew personal things that were happening in their lives, whether it be a new job, whether it be that they moved houses, whether it be that they got pregnant. Um, so there, there was a really core group of customers there that we got to know super, super well. Very cool. And I understand um, you know, when you when you launched this, you you really had the idea that it was for that younger generation, that that's still in school, Gen Z kind of model. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how that evolved as you grew? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we really launched Bloom as, as the brand that girls grow up with. And so what that meant to us is that this isn't something that you would use between the ages of like 13 and 19. And then you go up to college and you've like graduated from Bloom. We really didn't want that to be the case. And we we knew, you know, the pain points that we experienced as we were growing up and how those pain points continue to affect us now as adult women and in, in the conversations we were having with the people in our lives. And so knowing kind of knowing those two things and, and what we felt like we lacked then and what we felt like we were still lacking now and how some of those habits hadn't actually changed from what we picked up in our early days of using personal care or skincare products for the first time. Um, we, we've actually created a community of, of Gen Z girls who are using products exactly how we kind of intended, which is, you know, they need to buy a deodorant and instead of their mom taking them to the local drugstore, she's purchasing a, a Bloom Natural deodorant for them or similarly with their face wash. But also that as adult women, we're still experiencing so many of these things um, from our pubescent years that we were told 
would go away, like adult acne, for example, but it doesn't, it doesn't go away. Um, I feel, or sorry, teen acne. Like, I feel like that's the biggest myth, which is that like, oh, once you like aren't a teenager anymore, your acne goes away. But I mean, I think everybody can probably still relate to the fact that it's popping up all the time. And so we've created this um, community of, of girls and women who are all using Bloom products and many of our older customers millennials are letting us know that you know they wish that bloom is something that they had when they were growing up because they've been using a toxic deodorant for the last 15 years um we're also having a ton of let's say gen z girls who are using bloom for the first time and then their moms start using the product or they have a brother in the house who starts using the products um and and that's really our intention where while it's gentle and safe enough for you know teen skin or young skin um, or sensitive skin it's really something that people can continue to use and um, it is also you know for both genders Love it. Yeah. I'm currently experiencing an outbreak on my forehead. The audio listeners can't see it right now, but I got an absolute heater. So I need some of this meltdown, uh, and, and, which is an amazingly named product. And that's kind of what I wanted to go into, into next. I like looking at, at the names of your products. I love products that are named for what they do. And I love the concept, you know, uh, you don't need a, a two inch drill bit or a drill. You need a two inch hole. And I feel like that's something you, you have to rem remind yourself of when you're when you're naming your products, when you're creating your products. I feel like you did such a good job naming the products, uh, things that you that that's, that you understand sort of psychologically underpin why you use the product. So your deodorant is called Hug Me. So it's this idea of intimacy and and sort of acceptance and and this this uh, you know this this freedom of uh, you know of uh, anxieties or or whatever. Can you talk a little bit about how you how you came about to name the products? Yeah, great question. The names are one of my favorite things about Bloom as well. Um, and so when we were when we were kind of brainstorming coming up with the products, uh, I was talking to Taryn, um, who's like I mentioned, my sister and also my co-founder. Um, and we both were like, you know, it would be so cool if our products had names so that you could talk about them as not like, you know, Bloom's face wash, but like the product name itself. Like I use daydreamer for example or i use hype me and we really wanted to bring that like emotional connection and personification to the products um because part of you know the bloom philosophy and the way we talk to our customers is as our friends and and we really believe that you know the products could be your friends too um and so we, we were kind of going back and forth on that and then taryn um was brainstorming names and one day she came up to me and she's like bunny i have our names for the products and she just like rattled them off and i was like i don't know where you got these from but they're perfect and we didn't even do a second revision on any of them we just like went with them exactly the way that they were um and we've been loving the name so much and we're so grateful that uh, they have caught on to our community the same way we wanted them to and you know we often hear customers or influencers or folks even at retailers talking about the products directly by their name um, and it really just evokes that feeling of you know I want to wash, wash my face with something that makes me feel dreamy or I want to use hug me because it makes me want to hug people and I think even in these last 12 months or so when we haven't been able to hug people um, as the world starts opening up again those are really the moments of um introspection that I think we're so excited to be on this journey with our customers. And you can just make that emotional connection. You know what I mean? Like just by making that emotional connection, you're going to improve your conversion rates and, you know, improve your LTV and all of these things. So really real kudos for, for the way that you were able to brand things. And then talk a little bit about the design. Like the design is, again, it's just minimal. It's slick. It just looks really sort of essential and simple. Uh, and it, you really hit the nail on the head. I feel. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think design is 
something that is so close to us and there's still nothing that goes out without getting Taryn's approval on um, even at this stage and even though we have such strict uh, design guidelines and I think it's one of those things um, both brand and design that it's so important to just stay close to and keep checking up on all the time because there's a world of you know evolving brands and evolving designs and I think that's super important and with the times it's, it's very relevant but how do we continue to stay up to date and evolve um, the design or the brand while still staying true to the actual ethos of the brand. And um, we have an incredible designer on hand now at Bloom who really, really understands like Bloom's design. Um, but on day one, when we were really starting this process, we knew it was exactly what you said, Eric. We wanted it to be clean, minimal, simple, effective, but also engaging. We didn't want it to be boring. We wanted the brand to feel um, exciting and interesting without feeling over the top. And I think another thing that was really key to us is that we didn't want it to be, you know, too much in one direction, too teen, too adult, too minimal, too bold. <laughs> we really wanted to find a balance there where we felt like it, it kind of encompasses exactly who our customer is, which is that, you know, she has a personality, but she's also really sure of herself. Um, and I think that that is um, one thing that we worked really hard on, but um, it, it's, it's always evolving. Yeah. Definitely. I can imagine. Need high quality, fully licensed UGC? With MiniSocial, you can produce beautiful, authentic, and fully licensed user generated content featuring your products with micro influencer creators. D2C brands like Native, Olipop, Hydrant, and others love working with MiniSocial as a way to populate their organic social acquisition channels, website, and beyond, while also competing dollar for dollar with traditional influencer activations on Instagram and TikTok. Get started on a campaign at minisocial.com today. Uh, okay, cool. Let's talk a little bit about marketing. So you, you've, you've got the product, you realize you've got a hit, you, you're, you're selling some products. What, what sort of levers were you able to pull kind of early on in your marketing that made you realize that you can really scale this thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of everything. So email marketing has been super key for, for us for day one. Um, we still heavily invest in email, email marketing. Um, we treat our customers inboxes like a sacred place. So we want to ensure that every email that we send out to them is important and valuable and not just a promo. Um, so we try to do a mix of content as well as product education, as well as um, newsletters and interesting things that are happening in the world that we think our customer base will care about. Um, so from day one, email marketing has been a top priority for us. Um, paid ads in the digital space, Facebook and Instagram have, have, has been really big for us. Um, we do a lot of micro influencer gifting. And I think that that community is so, so, so key. Um, and it's just so interesting and so cool to hear from customers exactly what they think about the products. And so we also um, really focus on, on just creating that community of folks who resonate with the product beyond just you know what it does but also the why behind why we started the brand and the values and what we truly stand for and then lastly I think press has been a big lever for us um, in terms of brand recognition and um, really people understanding why Bloom exists and, and who we're by and I think one thing that is often hard to do is you know Taryn and I aren't the face of the brand. We're not influencers. We don't have um, our own social presence, but we do have um, a really strong why behind why we started the company. And I think that, you know, two sisters who started as students and, and launched Bloom into the way it is, is something that a lot of people can relate to and a story that um, people really um, gravitate towards. And so press has been a great way for us to share our journey, um, both along being siblings who run a business together, as well as being um, coming from a place, you know, like 
Vancouver, BC, where we don't have a super strong ecosystem of entrepreneurs um, and, and really growing a company there that can resonate um, across Canada and the US. Very cool. So we'll talk a little bit about your influence. You've got, you've got some big influencers on board, which is huge. But I wanted to just talk a little bit about just user-generated content, even aside, you know, I think when you think about influencer marketing, it's easy to think about, um, you know, uh, the GGs and the, you know, the, the Kardashians and things like this, but really like UGC user generated content is really just sort of the lifeblood of, of top of funnel advertising campaigns. Can you talk a little bit about how you, how you're able to get sort of a steady stream of user generated content from your audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it started, you know, very, very intentionally, which is that we would reach out and Taryn and I were doing this in the very early days is we would just reach out to um, anybody who had a couple thousand followers on Instagram and offered to send them product, you know, no obligation to post, but really, we just want to hear what you think. You try products all the time. You love products. Um, you talk really highly of the products that you do love. And like, we want to see if Bloom stands the test. And so that's really how we started by sending it out to different community members. Um, and, and we would ship all of those out ourselves and we would do all of the outreach ourselves. And so now we have scaled it up a little bit where but the the actual content there still stays the same, which is that we're handpicking influencers. We're very, very careful about who we ship to and why and what they represent for Bloom. And um, and I think one thing that we've been really lucky is, is because we have a strong brand and a strong design is that many of our influencers just tend to take photos that fit that profile that then allow us to reuse and repurpose with still putting their own spin on it. And um, as part of that, we see now our customers following that same kind of path and creating their own UGC, um, even though it wasn't required or asked of them. And we think that that's really, really cool. But um, I think my favorite thing about UGC is that it's real people using the product exactly the way that they would. And it's very relatable. And I love watching like morning routines and evening routines and like what I did in a day. And I just think it's so interesting um, and like one of the most like soothing things to watch. And so um, it's just, I, I think the thing that is really drawing or that really draws people to UGC is just seeing real products in real people's lives. Um, so it's been a focus for us and now we're exploring TikTok, which is like a whole other type of UGC, but very interesting and really fun. And um, just understanding, you know, how the different platforms work together and how different influencers um, see creating UGC on these different platforms. That's, it's funny you say that. I just, on YouTube, I just keep getting hit with like, uh, what's her name? Olsen, uh, the Scarlet Witch. Uh, character uh, Elizabeth Olsen I just I, I'm just watching her like routine for some reason like on those YouTube instant reels I just I'll click on her for some reason because I, I like Marvel and I'll just watch her do her routines and it, it is oddly soothing it's very interesting and it's also for you it's customer research at the same time right it, it's stuff that you can use for your ad content but it's also like giving it's evolving your understanding of how your products are being used which will help you you know grow it further Exactly. Like we've always said that like, you know, meltdown is um, like an acne treatment that you apply directly to your skin. But early on, we noticed that customers were mixing it into their moisturizer because they didn't have any active acne, but they wanted to keep their skin from breaking out. And so mixing it into their moisturizer was a great way to dilute the product while still getting the full benefits um, and not needing to apply it as, as a direct spot treatment. And that's something that we didn't intend for the product to be used as, but it's like, I think the number two use of the product now. Very cool. You, you mentioned TikTok and TikTok is something our audience is always very interested in. Can you talk a little bit about what it's, you, you mentioned it's different working with, with TikTok influencers, creating TikTok content. Can you talk a little bit about how it's different and, and what you've done to succeed there? I think the biggest thing that's different, and maybe this is obvious, but it, it's what stands out the most is that like, it is so raw and authentic. Um, if we send somebody on Instagram a product to try and they're doing a feed post, like the aesthetic is so top notch. It's like, 
absolutely beautiful. It's very clearly curated. Um, the, if it's a flat lay, you know, there's the right things in the right places with the perfect lighting. Um, and and it's, it's just incredible. But TikTok is so raw and so authentic and so just fun in that way. And I think um, what we've noticed is that often on Instagram, folks want to either create something that really fits Bloom's aesthetic or really fits their own aesthetic or, or a mix of the both if it, if it works, right? And, but on TikTok, um, the like a crazy range of products that we get or the crazy range of posts that we get is so hard to even find like, you know, what's that thing that worked um, in each one? Cause each one is so different and it's so hard to find the similarities, but I think that's really where the magic is. And so um, with TikTok, we'll, we'll send out the same kind of, you know, campaign to X amount of influencers and we'll get like literally, you know, 20 different videos. Um, whereas for Instagram, if we send out the same campaign to the same amount of people, there would be much more of a theme within those pictures um, that we'd be able to kind of see, be like, okay, so this is like what people picked up out of what we told them. And so I think that's what's really key. And so for us with TikTok, especially, we really just give influencers free range to talk about, create content and, and do whatever they wish to do with the package that they've received. And so whatever magic they turn that into is, is so okay with us. And it's so exciting to be surprised by how they decided to interpret um, our ask. Amazing. Just w one more question about influencers too. You, you have such a great influencer gifting program and influencer content program. Have you experimented with uh, with white whitelisting and actually running ads through the influencer handles for for your products? Mm -hmm. We've done a little bit. Um, I don't personally like run the ads myself, so it's okay. a little hard for me to say. But um, we have done a little bit. We've had success with it. Um, I think it's really interesting, especially when the influencer has. A large reach or really really trusted audience um but i do think that it is a slightly larger undertaking of just all the complexities that come along with that um totally. and ensuring that the influencer is adequately compensated and that there's you know no security issues and that um you're able to manage kind of the relationship between any comments and things like that that are then going through the influencer's post especially when like people start asking like really technical questions about purchasing or the ingredients and then the influencer um you know obviously shouldn't be obligated to reply to those but then really tracking down those posts and so on yeah I mean, keeping customer experience um consistent when, when scaling through those methods is is part of the challenge for sure um but can pay very big dividends uh, which is something we, we do on the pilot house side all the time um okay this is the other i i, I uh, thomas does such great research for these podcasts uh, and he brought up uh, the shoplit plus live stream uh, mm -hmm. option, and I'm so in. I've I've heard. I've heard I'm I'm blanking all of a sudden. Maybe it's Baidu. I forget the platform in China where um, it's sort of live shopping happening, like a a home shopping network style experience where people are you know, go, you know using the product and just sort of talking about it, buying things. Um, and I think it's it's if it's happening in China, it's going to be here uh, in a big big way. You know, in in the coming years. Can you talk a little bit about this experience and and what what Bloom did here? Yeah, so we've, we've just started testing any type of live stream shopping. We've never done like a QVC. Um, I've, I've never personally bought anything from a live stream. So it's really brand new to all of us, I think. But to your point, yeah, it's huge in China right now. Um, it's kind of picking up steam in other places around the world. And so as most things are, we'll probably get it a little bit later, but it'll probably be even bigger by the time that we do. So we did experiment a little bit with Shoplift Live. They've been an awesome partner to us and such a great team to work with. Um, and we're really just in the early days of, of playing around with that partnership and understanding what that looks like and really being part of the early adopters and also 
learning about the customers who are the early adopters on those platforms. And I know TikTok's been talking a lot about how they want to do some type of live stream situation, um, which I think would be even more interesting. And so um, we're kind of just in the process of, of, of figuring out what works there for Bloom and, and what that's going to mean for um, growth in the cool. coming months. We got to stay in touch about that. I would, I would love uh, if you're able to potentially write a blog post about that as, as it happens. I, I just think mm -hmm. it's such an interesting area and you're, you're one of the first brands that I've talked to that's, that's being a pioneer there. So good on you. It's, um, it's exciting to see like where that's going to end up and how that's going to affect like all of our shopping abilities. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, it's part of the, the creator economy in a way, right? With, with certain parts of the economy becoming harder and harder to visualize how you're going to get into like starting a restaurant or, you know, other things like this, there's going to be other aspects of the economy that open up. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think those platforms are going to be key, uh, you know, for people to continue to support themselves and uh, I'm very excited about where that goes. Can we talk a little bit about Gigi, about Gigi Hadid? I, I am, I'm not super dialed in uh, with influencers. And so I had to look up who Gigi was, but she's got 65 million followers. Can you talk about what happened when she discovered your products? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't actually know when she, when she found the product, um, from, from what we know, it was totally organic and she, um, she, she was pregnant. I, I guess it's been, I think her baby is like six months now. So I guess it's been like a year or something like that. Um, and as many people do, um, that she was switching to a natural deodorant through her pregnancy to reduce the aluminum that's in many of the traditional deodorants that we use. And so she, I guess, came across Bloom um, and was using the product and, and we had absolutely no idea, um, but she did post about it recently and kind of her like pregnancy favorites or her baby favorites um, story that she did. And, and it was really exciting. And just honestly, um, it, it, I think, for us, like that was never even like on our vision board. Um, it was always, that was, always, it always just felt so far away that we hadn't even um, explored celebrity in any way at all. And so for that to happen so organically and so authentically, and just to know that um, a product that we created that we really had um, a strong affinity towards having a clean natural deodorant that worked um, also resonated with somebody at Gigi's Caliber is just like the most honestly like craziest experience. And so when, when that happened, I, I remember I like, was on the, I was on a call and all of a sudden we got like a bunch of like Shopify pings all at once for the same price. And I was like, okay, this only happens like, you know, if some, if, I was like, did an email go out? Did like a TikTok go viral? I was like, this doesn't happen like all the time. And so then I was like, okay, let's see like if anybody interesting has tagged this on Instagram. And then I saw it and I just like shrieked and called my sister right away. And then our whole team jumped on like a Zoom because we're virtual still and just had like a moment of, um, of like just pure delight and just really ex exciting, um, exciting vibes. And then, um, since then, I think, you know, we definitely do get, um, a, a lot of, I think just like brand recognition and brand clout from that. Um, was yeah. it a real level up? Like when that happened, there was a bunch of initial sales, but, but you're also just going to get the brand. You're just going to get brand awareness from millions more people. Mm -hmm. uh, did you, did you see a sort of step up when that happened? Um, or was it a spike? There was definitely a spike. I think in terms of, um, kind of the latter, it, it's so interesting where I think some of those things like often happen over time. So, you know, we'll be talking to a retailer and then it, it gives us that validation to really bring up something like that. And so we've seen this in the past where it is compounding, where it's not like the next day, you know, everybody's like, Gigi talked about Bloom, so I want to talk about Bloom. Yeah. But it's so compounding where it just builds that brand love and that brand loyalty and that validation. And I think um, one thing that's like so key to us at Bloom is that we never just want to be like a trend. Um, you know, often there's times where like products are trending or, 
you know, a, a color is trending or a moment is trending and it's always great to jump on those trends and in those moments. But I think for us, like the longevity of the brand is what really matters. And so moments like this are super key and crucial to us because it's not um, something that passes where it's like, oh, this happened and, and now we've moved past it. It really is something that continues to compound and grow. And, you know, we hope that Gigi's told maybe her friends about it and maybe, maybe she'll be at a runway and be like, oh, this is the best deodorant. I don't smell. And soon all her model friends will be using it. Um, but I think for us, it really is just that brand, brand longevity and that um, a, a validation that comes along with something like that. Love it. Okay, let's, so you mentioned email and you mentioned treating your email as a sacred space, which I fully understand. And if email is sacred, that means SMS is godly or, you know, maybe not. It's also sacred, obviously. But I've heard a little bit about your, your content marketing via SMS. Can you talk a little bit about how the strategy that you've employed with SMS? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, 100%. Email is sacred and SMS is like very, very, very... Sacrosanct. Yeah, we, don't, we don't text our customers often at all. But one thing that we do do, which is super fun, is Starbucks on us. And this is something that we started doing during the pandemic um, where, you know, we, we're all at home and we're all, most of us are making coffee at home and, and that's great saving money. But sometimes the coffee just doesn't taste as good when you make it yourself. And you got to so get out of the house occasionally. I think going for a walk in the mornings to get a coffee is such a nice way to start the day. Um, something that like I used to do all the way, oh, all the time when I was going to the office and it's just like a nice little pick me up. Um, and, and I think something that a lot of us lack. And so we did start a program um, throughout the pandemic where we did it um, every few weeks or every month where we would send up Starbucks gift cards that was preloaded with a certain amount. And we would um, send it to our SMS list and um, have them go get a coffee. And it was just like the most heartwarming experience to see people picking up their coffees and telling us what they ordered. And like, we found so many new drinks through that as well. Cause they'd be like, I got this like super cool thing. I'm like, I have to try that. Um, but that's like one thing or one example of how we use SMS, um, especially to engage our customers in a way beyond just to buy Bloom products, but really to build that brand loyalty and brand love and give people a reason to be interested in the brand um, beyond just the products that we sell. Because while that is um, obviously the bread and butter of what keeps our business going, I think what's really key for us is all the other ways that we get to connect with our customers um, through our education and content. And um, some of our customers do stick around to Bloom, not, not for our products, but for those resources. And so um, the Starbucks SMS program is really just our way to give back to all customers who, um, whether they be purchasing or not. I love it. I've got a note here too about, about your content marketing, about how you specifically get people to sign up for specific lists, not just one size fits all people that might be looking for funny content or educational content or feel good content is, is, does that take place over SMS and email or just email? So over email, um, we don't do as granulated list just because it is a quite a large undertaking and we're a small team still, but over email, we do give customers the opportunity to choose how often they want to hear from bloom. Um, so whether that be that they just want to hear from us once a week, once a month, or they want to receive all of our emails. Um, we've had it in the past where, uh, we've, customers would see an email um, that Bloom sent out, maybe it would be posted on social media or something like that. And they'd be like, oh, I, you know, I never got this email. Why didn't I get this email? And it could be because they were part of a different list or they received a different email recently. And so that's something that we employ or we um, started that has been really great for us because then it gives customers a little bit more control versus just choosing to subscribe or unsubscribe. I but love it. SMS, um, we do have several different lists. If it's, you just want product education, you bought Meltdown and you want to learn about Meltdown, you can do that. If you want to hear or receive all of our SMS, you can do that. If you want to hear about, um, you know, quotes or, or 
funny dog videos, um, we have a different list for that as well. Um, and so that one has been really fun to do. And I think SMS makes it a little bit easier because companies like PostScript allow you to add people to lists just through keywords, um, which is quite simple um, from a setup perspective and, and really awesome for us from a customer perspective. I love it. And I think, I think a lot of marketers, uh, you know, are trained in the, in, in really trying to make things as simple as possible. Um, and, and so it's, and I, so I personally, like I, I have ideas of how I'd like to segment our audience and I'm sort of being advised, you know, at different times to be like, no, just make it really simple, make sure everyone gets the same thing. But I think when you build the connection that you're able to with, with your customers, uh, and they really see the value in it. They're, you know, especially if they're signing up for SMS, like they know what an intimate platform that is, and so they're, they're they are going to select, you know, what they want and what they don't want. They're going to give you that information without creating too much friction at all. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think, like, Sorry, each customer is their own person, and I think quite often marketing is such a blanket approach, um, where it's just like one, like you said, one size fits all. Um, but for us, like we really want each customer to feel like they are an individual as they are. Um, and so we try to, wherever possible, really curate and customize um, different initiatives directly to people who are interested. Very cool. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about zero to one and you're now in a, in a much more, in a, in a bigger scaling uh, sort of phase right now in the business. Can you talk a little bit about some of your biggest challenges that you faced in this, uh, in this scaling period? I mean, I feel like everything is a challenge and every day there's a new challenge. Um, you know, particularly looking at the last 12 months we've encountered, and it's interesting because these last 12 months have also been um, a really key and crucial time for Bloom as, as we've evolved as a brand and as a company. But um, I think everything from, you know, figuring out supply chain logistics to um, housing inventory and how much inventory to house to scaling up from, you know, understanding who our top customers were to now having too many top customers to really be able to um, keep track of and, and get a good grip on. And so some of the things that we've done is, you know, in the past, we would do a lot of customer calls and one-on-one -on -one information. And now we've evolved that into surveys um, that allow us to get that same information on a wider range and then choose to do customer calls more one-off. Um, I think thinking of like particular problems, um, Supply chain in the last 12 months has been a big one, which I'm sure everybody who has a yeah. product company can relate to. Um, I think one thing as well is, is, is team. Uh, as the team grows, and particularly as the team grows remote, so now we have a handful of or a handful of employees who we've actually never met in real life, um, and we've only had virtual connections, but it's harder to build that kind of rapport and, and connection with people through the internet and through Zoom meetings all day. And it's also tiring for everybody, I think, to be on camera and to be on and bring a different energy that you have to bring when you're on Zoom all day versus in real life and, yeah. and where we all get our own energy from. And so I think as managers and as leaders, um, you know, navigating this period through the pandemic as a remote team has been really interesting and has been a big, big learning lesson for myself personally. Um, and I think, in the state of the world, not only is it that, you know, we went through a pandemic, but we also went through, um, you know, a lot of so so uh, social justice and racial issues in the last 12 months that should have come up a long time ago, but, you know, they, they really did come up in the last 12 months and managing um, not only what that means for our team and ourselves, but also our community and how Bloom can show up in those ways. And so some of the things that we did, you know, early on in the pandemic is, um, we did like downloadable coloring sheets to give folks something to do at home, you know, while they were 
passing time and, and weren't able to leave the house. And we were, we do something called meditation Mondays on our Instagram, which is that, you know, we're already scrolling all day. Most of us, as much as we hate to admit it, wake up in the morning and scroll first thing. And so since we're spending time on Instagram and we're spending time on this platform, like let's also use five minutes to just really take a minute to breathe and to um, ground ourselves for the day and for the week. And so that's something that we did every Monday morning with an amazing meditator named Dora, um, who's also here in Vancouver. And so I think for us, a challenge that will probably continue to be a challenge is how do we balance obviously the needs of the company and the stakeholders involved, but also continue to be authentic and true to the brand and, and our customer base. And, and where do we balance, you know, content that is surrounding the products that we sell, but also creating um, a community and, and a brand that stands for something that is authentic to Taryn and myself, as well as um, our customers and our team. I love it. And because your, your products are so intimate, you know, it gives you this opportunity. You can talk, you know, when you have that connection with someone, there's, it really broadens, I feel like the, the things you can, you can talk about and the, and the, 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 you know, the content that you can provide people with just like, it, it might not be the same if it was like a, you know, a coffee mug or something like that. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily have that same license to, to, to operate in, in as, in as broad a space in terms of your content. So really good on you guys for recognizing that and, and, and yeah, and feed, feeding it, like even, even just the, the Starbucks, the Starbucks uh, gift cards during the pandemic, that's a really smart way, to, again, to address where people are at, you know, during all this. Uh, when you said coloring sheets, my mind just went to like, oh yeah, that would be for when my kid wasn't in school and just be like, I would need those to give them to her kind of thing. Um, but yeah, every, everyone has their own challenges. Um, and uh, it's cool that your content can, can address it. Um, very cool. Uh, what about uh, the, the other note I have here is about quizzes and quizzes are something that, you know, back in my affiliate marketing days, we used to run a lot of different quizzes, but they were mainly just focused on, on monetization. Can you talk about the, the way that quizzes kind of work in your, in your brand's marketing flow? Mm -hmm. Great question. So we have, we've, we've tested a bunch of different quizzes. I think that they're so interesting. I, I personally, as a consumer, love doing quizzes. I think they're so fun. Um, so we've done a couple different types, one that, you know, leads more to, um, you know, purchasing and finding the right kit for you. And I think Bloom's interesting because we have a small set of SKUs right now and they do span categories, but I think often um, customers are like, I don't know necessarily what I'm here for Bloom to purchase or what's interesting to me, but I also do know that I do want to start using some like safe and effective products in a way that I, I maybe have never used before. And so, um, we use quizzes mostly in that way to help educate our customers about where they can get started with clean beauty, especially if they are, um, this is their first endeavor into clean beauty, or if this is their first endeavor into personal care, if they're quite a bit younger and understanding about, you know, what are the pain points that they experience. So maybe it's not that they have acne, but that they have dry skin and, and therefore our cleanser is perfect for them. Or maybe they um, have period cramps, but they use a diva cup. And so cloud nine is perfect for them because they don't need pads and tampons. And so that's really how we curate our quiz. And we use it as an opportunity to educate our customers on, on the products that we have and how they can be used together as a part of a routine. Very cool. And then uh, that leads me to my next question is about bundling. That's something that we're always preaching to, to, to brands about, you know, the ways that you can increase the, that average order value when you have people ready to make a purchase. Um, is, this is something you guys probably think pretty carefully about as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we do kit and bundle our products together. Um, I think it's like one of the best things probably that we did um, and that we'll continue to do. And I think most customers want to be able to purchase products together that work together as a routine. And often with skincare, I think one of the reasons that keeps people from purchasing is the confusion of understanding what ingredients are for or how products work together or if you can use certain products together. Um, 
and, and how to use them. And so we have like, for example, a face mist that's also a toner. And so allowing customers to understand where in the routine that fits and which products they can use it along with is so important. Um, and so we've been bundling for almost since we launched the company. I think we started our first bundles maybe six months after that or something. And it's been um, super awesome and exciting. And I think we often have customers be like, why aren't these two products bundled together? Like I wanna buy them as a set. And so then our customers are often telling us um, our, their own recommendations for bundles we should launch. Amazing. And just bundles just allow you to, uh, you know, a, a mentor of mine always said that they who can pay the most for a customer wins. Uh, and so as you're able to get your average order values up, you're able to, you know, use Facebook's algorithms and things like, things like that to find higher and higher value customers who are willing to spend more. And I could see that would be a game changer. Um, wanted to ask about your goals in, in 2021 with Bloom. What, what, what are you aiming to achieve in, in 2021? Yeah, so I mean, we have a couple exciting things coming up. I can't say too much, but um, we do have a few products that are in the works that we're super excited and eager to be launching. So those will all be going live um, probably in a couple months here. And then um, we're hoping to launch at least four products this year. So that's that's one that's big huge. project that we've been working on. And then we do have um, a really large retail launch that is coming up in May. So I don't know exactly when this podcast is going to be live, but um, if it's after May 10th, you'll be able to see it on our social media for where we're live. Um, and that is where Bloom is already omni-channel, um, but primarily of our um, business is D2C right now. But so this will be kind of our first foray into um, a large retail partnership that we're super excited and honored to be a part of. Um, so those have been our two big projects this year. And then um, kind of going from there and just continuing to grow and really foster a community of, of customers that feel listened to and heard is top of mind always. I love it. So with a brand that is has such an attention to community, um, I'm can you talk a little bit about your product launch strategy? I feel like product launches are such an amazing opportunity for brands um, to, to, to connect with their audience, to drive massive sales. Uh, first of all, are these products, are these products going to be rolled out one at a time? Are they going to come together? Can you talk a little bit about your product launch strategy? Mm -hmm. So we always launch one product at a time. Um, I think one thing that's so key in skincare is like the education and really understanding who the product is for, what it does, why it does what it does. And Consumers are so, so, so smart that like, I think traditional marketing doesn't work anymore the way it used to, um, where it's like, you can't just be like, here's a product that smells really good and feels really smooth because the first thing anybody goes to is like, oh, silicones and fragrances, which are both like not clean and not good for you. Um, so really focusing on healthy skin is, is key and top of mind for us and for customers to understand what that means for themselves and how to use products. And so for our product launch strategy, it really is one product at a time. Um, it really is less is more. Um, I think there's, really great companies out there that have a huge, you know, array of SKUs and maybe one day we'll get there, but we're not in any rush to have more um, immediately. And I think what's super key is that if it's the right product for the right person, um, you don't necessarily need more products, but instead you need products that um, are able to do the things that you need them to do, whether that be exfoliate, hydrate, nourish, etc. And so, um, you know, really following that philosophy of less is more and, and less confusing is also key. Um, we do want to just take our time and ensure that the products that we're launching are super impactful and beneficial and true to bloom. Um, and, and I think that kind of comes back to earlier when we were talking about trends, where it's easy to launch a product because it might be trending and hot right now. But does that product actually um, align with what bloom stands for and who we're trying to be? And I think 
a big part of Bloom is to feel more comfortable in your own skin. And so um, how do we continue to do that while still selling skincare products kind of tends to always be top of mind for us where it's like, we don't want to sell products to say you can make your skin better, but instead how can we help you feel healthier in the skin that you have? Um, and how can you protect your skin and your skin barrier and um, nourish it so that you're not um, doing what we all did when we were younger and growing up now and doing the, undoing the damage of like all the spots and scars and the picking that we gave ourselves when we were teens. Um, so the, the strategy right now is, you know, to take our time and to launch really good quality, clean, high end or high value products that have an ingredient list that you can actually pronounce and that you can understand and help educate and um, really bring our customers along in that journey. And so with our product launches, we often go to our customer base to understand what they're looking for and why they're looking for it. Um, and then uh, do community testing with them before we launch the product to see what they actually think about it and what their results have been. When you do community testing, do you launch to just a specific segment of your audience, for instance, of your really high value customers, your customers that have been there the longest, or do you, do you launch it to, do you launch those opportunities for everyone? So we do, we do both. We do actually have um, a list of customers who are interested in being part of like a Bloom Labs program um, where they are on an email list um, and they can get first dibs to um, any new products that we're working on to help us really create those products, whether that be just through surveys of what they're looking for or whether it be actually physically trying the product and then telling us about their experience. Um, and then we also do reach out to our high value customers um, and give them kind of first sneak peeks at trying the product as well. Very cool. We did an interview uh, two weeks ago with Huron, Use Huron, which mm -hmm. is a, a men's uh, sort of uh, more more of a soap line of a, of a cleansing, cleansing line. But their goal as a brand is to be your, your, the big brother who's who's teaching you how to take care of your skin a little bit more. I know I know that Bloom is a little bit about being the big sister. Um, and one strategy that he mentioned that I would that, that be, might be interesting for you to consider was he, he created as a slack group of these people of these really high value people. And so uh, and they loved it. Like these, their big customers like love being a part of that. And you really get that instant feedback. It kind of creates this other little micro community. Um, so it might be something that works for you as well. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah. We use close friends on Instagram, um, which cool. is really fun. And then we do have a Facebook group as well, but um, I think Slack is also so key, especially now since everybody's working from home and on Slack all the time anyways. Very cool. So uh, I want to thank you so much, Bunny, for coming on the podcast. This was super interesting. If our audience wants to know more about Bloom, it's just Bloom, B-L-U-M-E dot com. Uh, and they can uh, they can try your products. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're also at Bloom on Instagram. So B-L-U-M-E. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, just my name at Bunny dot as well. If you have any specific questions for anything that we discussed today. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. I cannot wait for the world to return. Uh, to normal. I'll be, I'll be over in Vancouver at some point. It would be great to grab a coffee and, and talk more D2C. This has been fantastic. 100%. That would be awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. This is so fun. Cool. Uh, I'll let you know when it launches and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll share it around. Cheers. Mm -hmm.